We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Shanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Andy Lou, we are recording wow. the night before election day. Wow. And by my full government name, just unreal on the night before. And you know what it is the night before of? The most important day in my life, Sam, your birthday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So if you guys are listening to this, obviously, I hope you voted or you're going to vote. But hopefully we can give you an hour of distraction from what I anticipate to be a very emotional, long process before we find out the result. Do you think it's Jameson or Hennessy or, or wine or what do you drink? All three? Actually, you might go all three. I've seen you do all three <laughs> at once. No, no comment. Um, with that said, we are less than two weeks from the draft, Andy. We are actually, no, I take that back. We're two weeks and two days in a day from the draft. Two weeks a day for the draft. That's why we bring someone that's actually smart on the uh, on the podcast to finally give us some analysis. No, I am excited, by the way, because I Seth Parnow, I I used to um, used to write and and like we did like some video stuff way 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 back. Do you remember those days? Ah, now look at you. Now now you've uh, you ran the bus. Yeah, yeah. We have uh, j- just to to clear that up. Seth Parnow from the Athletics. Seth, how you doing? <laughs> Dude, all right. Um, bourbon. Is, is the answer. So that's where we're going tomorrow. That would be my go-to as well. Um, hopefully celebratory. 
Uh, but you never, anyway, that we're going to, we're going to avoid that for the next hour. We need, we all need an hour distraction. We've spent a year discussing the Warriors potential machinations in their post gap year. And we're going to spend another hour doing that. <laughs> so um, I wanted to start with this. Uh, so we threw out a question to our uh, discord chat. You know, we said, Seth's coming on the pod. Anyone have questions? Come on. And the first thing we got from the premium Discord chat was from Tommy Gunn. He says, <laughs> Tell Seth, putting Harden above Steph is offensive in any context. Doesn't matter if Steph hasn't played in 10 years. Still offensive. Okay. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna start right here. You you did your player tiers. Um project and I, I don't want to call an article because it was a series of articles i mean it was at five or six total. it was five uh, okay. five art, five articles thirty-one thousand words if if people didn't have the stamina to read all of it yeah geez well i read all of it i, I just yeah. didn't know how many it, it was in total <laughs> but um in that thing i mean i i thought it was well done I, I encourage everyone who hasn't read it to go ahead and read it and I didn't actually think it was unfair, but at one point, when we get to the end, which was the tier one players, you had ready. 1B, which was Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, and 1A, which was James Harden, Giannis, LeBron, and um, Kawhi. Kawhi, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm trying to scan to it. Yeah. So I guess I, the question here is, I, I kind of assume that's, that's just an injury risk thing, right? Yeah, it's it's. I mean, KD obviously is. It didn't matter where I put him. It was a giant shoulder shrug, and I've I, I'm not breaking news here. I've said this other places. Is part of the reason I put him there is I wanted to. Uh, I I knew I was going to spend a long time talking about KD, so I wanted right. that to be at the start of an article rather than at the, at the end of one. So that kind of made more sense to put him kind of first person I talked about in tier one rather than last tier two. Um, but like, who knows? Nobody knows. Um, Steph is like, okay, I'm 80% certain Steph is that guy after, right. after, you know, being hurt last year. He's not, he's not young. He's kind of, he hasn't really been called upon to be like the all the time, every night main guy in four years. Um, now, do I think he, that's still there? Yeah. But is that like 20% enough of a doubt just to, as of right now, coming off, as you said, as everyone says, the gap year? Yeah, I don't think that's unfair. Like, if you're like Steph at the peak of his powers versus James Harden at the peak of his powers, who who would I prefer? Uh, in almost all circumstances, I'd prefer Steph. It's just because we haven't seen the peak of those powers in, you know, a good little bit. You know, there's a little, there's just a, enough prove it to me to, you know, now, push it down a slot. Now, Seth, you're a data person. Yeah. Now, the last time we saw uh, Steph Curry and James Harden, the last time we saw Steph Curry, he was pretty much playing James Harden. Um, but it was only two games, right? It was maybe even like a game and a half, which I guess most Warriors fans would say Steph was a better player in that series to close him out. Is that enough, though, there to, to say that, you know, because I think part of it is – Maybe you can rely on that in the regular season, James Harden. But is there enough there in those couple games where you can say, yeah, I'd rather have that guy now? Or, or is this kind of ranking more where you can rely on James Harden more across, you know, 82 or 72 or 55, however many games we're going to get this right. season? 
Um, I mean, again, it wasn't, it's not intended as a ranking. I mean, there's, there's kind of a, uh, the tiers are so that there's a band of players that you could, you know, make reasonably close arguments for all of them. And really, once you get to the very top, it's, is this guy good enough to be like the driving force in a championship team? And, uh, you know, people say, well, Harden hasn't done it. Giannis hasn't done it. Uh, like that Rockets team that the Warriors beat in seven, two years ago right. was a championship level team. Like there's no, I don't think that there's any. It was, it was all Chris Paul. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, but, and, and, you know, that so, and it just happened to, you know, have some unfortunate, you know, both injury luck, some bad shooting and run up against like one of the, like most kind of absurd collections of talent, you know, of this or any other era. Um, but in a normal basketball year, that team was plenty good. I mean, the team took the Warriors to seven games. I mean, it was plenty good enough to, to win a title. Uh, so, and, so, and that's because of James Hart. So like that, that that's, that's kind of the only argument I need. I feel like. Yeah. So I, you don't mention it explicitly in your article, but I kind of got the assumption your concern with Steph is honestly the same concern I have, which is it's not that I don't think he can be as good as anyone on any given night. It's I have some concerns over durability at this point. Like, can he physically do it every night? Um, last year, like, I mean, I, it was a freak hand injury, but you know, if you want to take it farther back, it's a freak ankle injury. It's a freak hamstring injury there. There's a series of like Steph's fatal flaw is he isn't the most durable guy among, you know, that, that tier of like top five to seven players that we always talk about. Um, I, w- I want to take this in a different direction going forward to next year, as you're looking at the warriors, um, which is kind of, it's, you know, we know who their core is, but we also don't really know what their roster is going to be like after man five. Um, what would you be looking to do around that team to, I guess, I don't want to say protect staff, but like there has to be some onus. There has to be some consideration for the fact he's 32. He'll turn 33 before the playoffs next year. And, you know, wanting to surround him with a bunch of guys where his, where you're asking him to be, you know, peak 2017 Steph every night's kind of just, it's probably not the safest recipe to keep him healthy. Yeah, no. And I think that that does get back to a little bit what we were talking about is, you know, he, he's, he's been a little bit, I don't want to say protected, but you know, you have Kevin Durant next to you. So some nights you can say, yeah, okay, you do your thing, Katie. And um, the difference is, is having to be, having to play like the Dame Lillard role, basically, where it's got to be you every night or you lose. Um, that's, that's, that hasn't been seen basically since early in the 2016 playoffs, really. Um, but to, to answer your, to the question you actually asked, rather than the one I wanted to answer, um, I mean, <laughs> the, the, no, the Warriors, just in terms of their roster, they need, you know, for as good as they are, as good as they look like they should be at the top end, they need a little bit of everything. Right. They, they, yeah, they could use another creator. They could use a, they could use a big wing or two. They could probably use a, um, a, you know, a, a, a minutes eating kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know, a middle reliever basically of a, of a center. Right. Um, so Shout out Zaza. Yeah. yeah. So the, there's, there, you know, the, the, you feel good about like the top, 
three or four, and then you, yee, and it, it, you know, getting into the playoffs against as deep a talent, uh, uh, you know, a, a collection of talent as we've seen in the league in a long time, you know, you've kind of run out of guys and not even just against like the Lakers and Clippers, but even against, you know, a team like the Nuggets, um, who, who will probably go seven or eight deep with, with guys who are playoff capable. And who are those other guys in the Warriors? Uh, they, they are sort of TBD and yet to be added. I also, I'm going to go backwards a little bit here with the, uh, with the Steph because, because that's my guy. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep it on, on brand I mean, for a little I'm not, bit. I'm not ripping on you. <laughs> no. So here, here's my thing. James, uh, I think a lot of this is based on, on what, I, I think guys like Giannis and guys like Harden have kind of been exposed. And even if you're looking at Kawhi Leonard, who really doesn't even play regular season games, I think if Steph Curry was on the Kawhi Leonard plan, he'd probably be even better than he is in the regular season. The Kawhi Leonard plan is a joke. Um, not even to say his leadership is a joke. Um, and then you talk about the Giannis stuff where it looks great in the regular season. And then with the same thing with James Harden, who also doesn't play defense. So, you know, you kind of can't get hurt if you're never moving laterally on defense. So it's pretty good life. Um, so I think the, the stuff with Steph Curry there too is he's that good offensively to where I think it matters a little bit more versus someone like Giannis who's great on both sides, but then you get to the postseason and we start to see some of the issues. But also with Giannis, I think it's probably Budenhoser. And then to me, it's like some with Steph, it's like, well, maybe it's Steve Kerr that he doesn't carry as much of it. Guess what I'm trying to say is there's, I think... Yeah, which direction are we going here? <laughs> something you could say about every single player, maybe outside of LeBron mm-hmm. in, in the top tier. Yeah. Um, and if I think all those guys were healthy, I think I'd probably have them all up there, even Harden, even Giannis. I, I think the injury thing is probably more for KD than Steph to me. Yeah, no, I think that's right. But it it, it, it is a little bit what Sam was talking about, just the night-to-night um, you know, just ramping back up from, you know, the last time he did, it, he was 28. Now he's 30, going to be 32 this year. You, you know, you think he can, but you just, there's just enough doubt. There. HGH, I think will we'll yeah. solve it. No, no, but you, but you raise a really cycling. Good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you, you rate, you raise kind of a really good point. And I think I touched on this in the article is there's more players in the league who are capable of with the right team being that guy than actually can be. You, you think about it, like, 45% of finals teams, LeBron has been their best player in the last decade. Yeah. So there's not, there's not a lot of spots left for, for someone to be the best player on a finals team. And there are, you know, there are more guys who are good enough than just will get that chance just because, you know, whether it's, you know, the wrong players around them, the wrong coach, bad luck, running into the wrong playoff matchups, what have you. I mean, it's, yeah. so um, I, th- I think, you know, in general, I, I want to, be as exclusive as possible at the top, but you do have to acknowledge that, you know, you're being good enough and actually doing it, it, it aren't quite the same thing we because gotta, it's not gotta, completely gotta, on that player. We got to see it again. And I don't think we've watched the Warriors play for about a decade. So I think that's, 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 <laughs> this, this has been a very long year. Very long. <laughs> Seth, we, we've, we're going to ask you the same questions, but we need a new perspective because sure. me and Sam talk, me and Sam talk about it all the time. But I also, we've argued this point many times too. Do, how much do the Warriors actually need? Cause you're saying, yes, they do need everything, but Said a little, bit, Clay, a little bit of everything, which a little is bit of everything. Yeah. positive perspective, in my opinion. Yeah, right. <laughs> Steph Clay, Draymond Wiggins. I'm throwing Wiggins in there because it's an, it's an ongoing because he's gonna be Warriors there. joke. Because, well, <laughs> well maybe, <laughs> unless they want to save money. Um, 
say they're all there. That's not it, that in itself and a mediocre surrounding cast, I think is good enough to be a contender. When you look across the league that we've seen in the bubble, I don't think I saw a team that was that great. Even the Lakers that won it, I don't think they were some, I don't think they were some juggernaut. Like I don't think they were some 65 win regular season, like crazy juggernaut playoff team. So I don't, I don't, yeah, they do need a little bit of everything, but I don't know how much more that they need. Like, I don't think they need like Ben Simmons or like some crazy thing. Like, I don't think they need some like, like above average wing. I, I kind of think if they find relatively average bench players, I think they'll be fine to contend. Well, so, I mean, just, just throw out a name of like the level of player you're thinking about, because it's not like, you know, not, Rudy it's not Gay. adding, yeah, no, Rudy Gay, like, you know, but it's not, not adding Alec Burks and, and, and Glenn Robinson, the third, it's even Glenn going, Robinson, I think would be semi average. Yeah. But you're, you're you're aiming a little higher than that. Are you? I mean, are you? You know, race. I, hope we're, I hope we're aiming a little higher. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I yeah. hope so. That the problem is it might not happen. So that, yeah. I think that's that's where the concern is. I guess yeah. I think Warriors fans are like, well, let's get Josh Richardson for for like a for like a future second in the TPE. And I'm like, yeah, it'd be great. But why would Daryl Morey do that? Maybe, maybe not. What if it doesn't happen? Can but I'm saying like maybe if you pick up a, a even a Glenn Robinson, like that might be good enough there to, to get you or even a Rudy Gay or an Aaron Baines. I guess like um, to give my perspective, I'm looking at it from this standpoint. They need to figure out who that fifth player in their closing lineup is going to be. Smiley. Um, it's not going to be smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, next 2022, Smiley. Yeah. He's going to be the next Dirk. Anyway, um, no, uh, other than that, I do kind of agree with Andy. They can probably cobble together uh, depth because Steve Kerr's a, a great coach and he can generally get the most out of guys. And you kind of hope for some internal development there. But my big question is like, okay, so – they like to call it the core four. We mock that a little bit, but anyway, you slice it. Uh, Wiggins on his contract is closing games. Um, Probably. Yeah. I mean, and I don't Ooh. see, I don't see a scenario where Wiggins is on the roster and they've somehow gotten two players who are so good that he, um, he's on the bench. I, I think, I, I think Wiggins has a chance to actually be like, he's, he's never in a million years living up to that contract. Of course. But I think he in like the Harrison Barnes role. Sure, he's got a, he's got a chance to be pretty good. Um, with you know, like you know, a, a a good solid starter. That if he was making you know twelve million a year, people like yeah, nice nice pickup for the Warriors. It's just Josh Richardson money. Yeah, yeah, he's, <laughs> making, he's making thirty. So it's like well, we think he's better than Harry B. Offensively, not as good defensively. Do you have like any any takes on Andrew Wiggins as a player and, and maybe uh, how good I, he could be? I think I might actually reverse that. Um, I think that uh, the problem with with Wiggins is the stuff he's good at. He's not good enough at to actually do on a good team. Um, you know, there's there's some stuff he he has shown in flashes like cutting. Um, he's not a terrible spot up shooter, but he's not good. Um, sure. it's, it's just him isoing with the ball in his hands is, it's going to be a lot of mid range <laughs> jumpers. Uh, oh, we're, we're, assu- we're assuming he's going to ISO less. Next just year. like KD. Yeah. But, 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 you know, him, you know, cutting offensive rebounding, spotting up, he's got some ability there. I think that the interesting thing about his time with the Warriors was, um, you know, switched into a different role and it's a tiny sample size, obviously right. was kind of 
uh, operationalizing some of kind of the athletic gifts he has on the, on the defensive end. He was, yep. I think he was just short of being, you know, in a short time there of being 2% steel, 2% blocks. And that's a very kind of select club of, of kind of very interesting players, especially when you kind of, you, you remove like the Andre Drummonds and, and the big guys who happen to pick up steals. All right, you're 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 going deep into the the statistical weeds here weeds here. So I have to yeah. ask, like, who are wing players who get uh, that level of steel uh, block? I mean, it's like it's like Robert Covington is basically okay. the the first the first name you think of in that, in that area. Okay. Now he's not he's he's that, that right, he's right. not he's not that. And right. by the way, Robert Covington is the exact player that they should want. Right. Oh, don't worry, don't worry. Kerr doesn't want him. Don't worry. It won't happen. <laughs> yeah. Not a so good enough passer. Sorry. Yeah. He doesn't okay. do the uh he doesn't back cut enough, like actually. <laughs> actually. Yeah, but he would be I mean that would be like as far as a closing lineup goes, that's we a, agree. A, so he does kind of fit that small ball four perfectly. Yeah, 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 that's that's kind of a name that's come up already <laughs> for you guys. Warriors fans, they would be yeah. nothing happier. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I mean a guy who did it as a rookie last year was was Matisse Steibel, who, you know, whatever right. his his offensive game is obviously like a very handsy impactful defender um that's that's going to be an interesting piece for the the sixers for years um i don't remember off the top of my head um jimmy butler has been there in the past i don't think he quite got there last year um so that those kind of uh you know not necessarily that level of player but those kind of 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 impacts is kind of what you start to get into okay i mean that that's all promising and that does fit kind of uh, Warrior fans got really excited watching him uh, defend the 12 games before the uh, COVID shutdown. And it did, it did kind of match what you, you always thought he could be, which is when he's engaged, he can be disruptive on defense. And you kind of, you know, if you're painting a best case scenario for the Warriors, you have Draymond yelling at him, you have Steve Kerr, you have kind of a situation where the stakes are high enough that he does, like no one's going to, be okay with him taking quarters off defensively, which he would do in Minnesota or weeks off if you really want to be into it. So like, I don't know there, I guess he's promising. I guess my, I guess my question is uh, would you rather the Warriors prioritize like getting a big man to finally close out that group or try to, you know, kind of recreate um, what worked for them in the past, which was find that, um, ideal you know bigger wing to give them that small ball unit that switches everything that kind of made them famous with Draymond at center and all that stuff going forward this kind of ties into what you wrote um in your tier project when you got to the Draymond section which I can't remember exactly where you put him but you kind of alluded to the fact that like when he's at his best he's still one of the most impactful defenders but you know questions about long-term how physic how long he can do it physically yeah um so i think from a uh you know looking especially towards next year i think if one was talking about using assets to acquire something someone whether it's the draft pick or something else um i think you're looking more in the wing area um because i think there are enough like you know Aaron, Aaron, like Aaron Baines could be available for an exception or something like that. And there's enough kind of like Derek, maybe Derek favors wants a ring and, and can, um, will, will come for, you know, an, an exception or something like that. There's enough kind of, of, of competent big men who, 
uh, are getting squeezed by the way the game is moving. That right. you can probably you can get someone who's an innings eater to play that position, uh, and you know not necessarily someone who has to close. Maybe in certain matchups will close, but I think that if you're looking at your your standard closing lineup, you're probably looking at a smaller player. That that's the thing. That's where I think the um, the Harrison Barnes comp is a little tough too, because Harry B at the four. You know, it could. But he's work. best at the four. Period. Right. So. The problem is Wiggins at the three, and you can't put him at the four. And then you've got Draymond at the four, who's useless now offensively. Then that becomes kind of like, a, all right, then is it Kavon Looney, like a defensive mind? And I think that's the point you're trying to make. It's it's it could be anyone. It it could be just whoever matches up best because they don't they might not find that guy who's just going to be the constant closer. Um, it might be Looney. It might be. I keep saying Rudy Gay. Why do I keep saying Rudy Gay today, Sam? Like some weeks I just keep saying Rudy Gay. I got a name for you who I think would be a tough get for them, but Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, no, actually he fits perfect sphere of a guy who's probably like a natural four, but can switch everything. I mean, that that would be perfect, yeah. Like without getting into the star like Siakam, Giannis. I am really, I am really excited to see Wiggins and Jamie Grant get nonstop open threes and just be, just never know what's going to happen. Well, is it going to swish? It's going to go mean, off we the watch back that, We watched that for like half a decade with Iguodala and Draymond. <laughs> just so never, it's just yeah, kind of, it's, it's kind of how it goes. Just run it back. Just keep doing it. It's where you hope, uh, whoever ends up with Jeremy Grant, you hope that that his uh, his bubble. Well, I'm, I'm shooting. I'm I'm good at this now. I'm shooting. Right. Like he's he's actually made him the last couple of years. Just for most of basically until the bubble this year, he has been a guy who is not always just well. I'm shooting, um, and that that's so much more important than uh, I mean. We I feel like we talked about this back in the day on uh, Clipper Blog Live. Actually, it was like the Matt Barnes phenomenon, right? He shot forty percent from three, but just wouldn't shoot. And so it kind of didn't matter like what he shot. Um, but that's the, I mean, you need a willing shooter who can also defend. Maybe that's, like, that's the that's problem. That's like everyone around Stephen Clay. They, and yeah. you know, Steve Kerr, who's kind of always preaching, move the ball, move the ball, because, you know, he wants to maximize the amount of shots that his best shooters get, that you end up with a situation where marginal shooters end up a little shook, not wanting to take the shot. Yeah, and that it, and and that that's never great. Um, that that's that's the kind of thing you run into that when you run into that situation in the playoffs. Guys sort of um, play their way off the floor, and then all of a sudden, you what was a very deep team becomes a very thin team. Yep. Like your uh, your seventh through tenth guys don't want to shoot, and now you can't play them. Are you talking about Are you talking about the Bucks? Or are you talking about what? You, what was that? Did I hear Bucks? <laughs> Did I hear Bucks? Oh no, oh, okay. I I don't know where you're getting that from. Oh, I got it, got it, got it. Um. I, I, that's, that's kind of the real shooter problem uh, that, that we've had. I think it, it's because I'm always a little bit jealous of the Houston Rockets where it's like Mike D'Antoni can just get guys to shoot. Like all of a sudden Daniel House is, is shooting, right? Like he's making shots. Covington, he's streaky, he's making shots. They got all kinds of guys. And then, and then the playoff comes around. P.J. Tucker becomes the greatest corner three-point shooter of all time. Yeah, yeah. And then the playoffs come around. And, and now, you know, maybe they would have won if it wasn't the Warriors, but it's – Man, it's a lot harder to shoot in a playoff setting when now you actually have to make it instead of I'll just shoot ten of them and if I make three, I'm okay. You know, so real shooters versus fake shooters. Yeah. The uh, the how like how many would Lou Dort have had to make for the Rockets to actually guard him in the first right. round? 
It's it, it it's that like that was the clearest demonstration of like keep shooting. I don't care. Um, that that I, I can remember seeing of a guy, but you know, to his credit, he he kept shooting them and 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 made enough of them that uh, it it was interesting. We hope that Andrew Wiggins is going to be a little bit Seth, better than that. Like that's that's I mean, the uh... number one draft pick versus undrafted. So you know. <laughs> So. We're gonna. <laughs> we hope we're gonna get into some draft stuff right after this. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do a little couple reads here. All right, we'll do indeed. So even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people and fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. So with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the most important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid due December 31st. All right, now for my favorite. Football is back, although not for my Niners. I got to find something else. Find another team root for. Maybe Sam's Raiders. Uh, you might not be at a game this year. They're actually pretty good. But you can still be on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season from game spread and totals to team player and coaching props bet online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else you can get another season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins division and championship futures all day every day head to bet online and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses just use the promo code blue wire at betonline.ag that's blue wire all one word bet online your online sports book experts all right Whew, we're back seth how many how many warriors rumors have you heard oh sorry, sorry. i was gonna say yeah we're, we can get into that um <laughs> who, who have the warriors not been linked to in the draft that's who we need to really concern ourselves with no. um <laughs> the dog didn't bark are, are you have you been let's start here have you been actively getting into the draft weeds or are you not focused on that as much as I've I enjoyed uh, for after having to really know the college players and, and w- end up watching a lot of college basketball for the last couple of years. I enjoyed not having to at all this year. I'll say that I've uh, I, I've caught up a, a little bit, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't claim any particular expertise on this class other than at the top. I don't love anybody. Good. Nice. Yeah, I was going to say, good thing, you didn't, yeah, good thing you didn't watch anything because nobody's worth watching. So, um, Actually, I want to I pivot to that then. Yeah, so you worked for the Bucks for a while there. And can you, I mean, I know I'm not going to get you to go deep into this, but like what's the, the different, what, what's the team process internally when evaluating these guys? Like how much time and everything has gone in on the front office side here? I mean, the players that are being discussed now, for the most part, have been known for three years at minimum. Okay. So there's, you know, and that that involves like people have seen them in, you know, Peach Jam or whatever. Uh, There's been um, a a lot of stuff that comes up as you you you're doing, and this wasn't my area, but you end up you're doing background on another player, 
and he may have been an AU teammate of Anthony Edwards or something like that. And you, you hear, hear a stray note there. And so you just start to kind of build up the, build up a file on all these guys, basically, um, you know, both from a, a an on floor per, uh, standpoint, but also this is the part that I think um, the public isn't, Oh, as aware of because people don't talk about it as much as is kind of the background character personality kind of uh, evaluation of these guys that go on. Um, it's a it, there's a lot of of stuff that goes into that. Um, there's some important things you can learn picking out the important things from the, for lack of a better term, noise can be pretty right. tough. <laughs> So it's like it's there's a lot of information there. Uh, what of it is relevant and actionable is really where the art and science of it is. And I don't, I won't even claim to have a uh, to have a any sort of crystal ball as far as that goes. So I, I mean, I'm just going to read a random quote. So Connor Letourneau, the SF Chronicle, was uh, wrote this over the weekend. Uh, Warriors are still figuring out where to put Wiseman on their big board according to multiple league sources. His limited playmaking ability and shooting rage could make him an odd fit for the system that asked the center to be an offensive fulcrum, but after watching Wiseman work out in Miami last week, a league source who was present told the Chronicle, he's really physically gifted. Is he worth the second pick? I'm not sure. What, what I'm trying to get to is like clearly the Warriors are trying to smokescreen everyone to not have any feeling for what they're trying to do at this point because it's advantageous to them from just an asset perspective to be like the wild card, right? Um, my question here is, do you actually believe the Warriors have no clue where they have Wiseman on their big board? Or is all that stuff like what you're saying is like, we're assuming they're a competent team. So I mean, I think no clue is, you know, there's – He's somewhere between one and six on their board. Right. It's just like where you put him on there. I'm sure there's a great degree of internal debate on that because that's in most years, that's kind of, well, oh, it's, that, that's not true. Half, half the years, it's pretty obvious. Right. Uh, <laughs> half the years, it sh- some years, it should be pretty obvious when like Luca is there, but it, a lot of people overthought that. Um, uh, and then there's sometimes where it's, it's like, it's, it is more muddled. Like, you know, the, the obvious ones in, in recent years where I think like Ben Simmons and Zion, it's like, okay, right. that's one. And then, it, it, um, and really the way most people have talked about this draft, it seems like, you know, Edwards and LaMelo and, and Wiseman are kind of right there. And then there's a, you know, some people have raised a couple other names and say, um, I'm not going to try to pronounce, uh, the, the, uh, um, of the, uh, Thank you. No, I don't even know if that's right. I'm just saying it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe. Um, yeah. It, but you know, I don't know. Um, but it, it, you do end up, you know, the you end up you, you start with kind of a tears. You say, okay, this is a group, and then we'll argue in this group to see who should go where. Um, and that that sort of informs your strategy about you know, do we want to trade up, trade back, what have you? Like if you have if the fourth and fifth and the, the fifth and third guy on your board are in the same tier, are you going to give much to go from five to three? No. Um, however, if there's a big gap, then you might, 
Um, so you kind of, you do that at the start to get sort of an idea of the structure of the draft, I guess. Now that's, that's where the draft questions come in. That's an important point yeah. because if, if now the Warriors are obviously trying to trade down, I think that's option one for them, but it's unlikely because I would trade out if I honestly, if you could get, if you could get, no, seriously, if you could get, get, get a one or two, like, you know, top five, six rotation pieces in a, in a draft that has that is very much a crapshoot at the top end and your window is this year and next year and maybe that's all give me a name of a player you'd feel right. comfortable throwing the number two pick away for it's this not, is this is what we, not, it's not the number two pick though it's 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 true. anthony edwards with the number two pick salary which is substantial in a, in a, in a lockout season right yeah well, well, what is the tier of player that is perhaps then likelier that they can get? Because it's, it's maybe if it's a number two pick where they can get John Moran, yeah, you can get Ben Simmons. <laughs> maybe, maybe more would do that. But maybe in this draft, I think it's hard to believe yeah. that more would do that. So now, now what does that get you? Now what does that net you in a draft where guys probably feel like Edwards is a top 10 player versus a top two? Yeah, no. I mean, I think that that's – first of all, you're, you're hoping for someone who thinks really highly of, of one of those players because obviously it's, it's someone who values that spot more than you do. And then like what – who the player is, I, I don't know. Like I've – you know, the, the name I threw out is Covington and I, I just don't think that deal's on the table. Um, and I'd be so uh, curious if the Warriors would do that. I'd be so curious if that I mean, were on the like, table. Like I, uh, for, for if you're telling me that you you have this team and your goal is to win a championship with this team, while next two years, next two years, I mean, you know, Whew. yeah, I mean, objectively, Covington's going to help you win more than Anthony Edwards or Wiseman will in yeah. the next two years. Yeah, it's, I just always have a hard time with the because um, Covington's an excellent, excellent player in his role. Um, I guess maybe maybe I'm risk adverse, but it's like the fear of passing up. I don't know the next whoever either of them may be just to make a little run at it for like a year and a half. Uh, the, the I can see the draft pick, or maybe I've talked <laughs> myself into the upside of the pick so much. Yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, it's 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 the new car. You, you right? Uh, so the, the mystery the, box, the pick. Boat always is like you know so that's why it's that's why it's helpful to not talk about it as the second pick talk about it as anthony edwards and now how do you feel about it look we've already we've already talked ourselves into thinking he's the next oladipo so you don't you know this isn't going to work we've talked to himself we think he's the next oladipo or the way we just saw we just saw an hour-long propaganda workout of him being the next d wade so (laughs) we can talk ourselves into anything plug d wade into this team we're good yeah (laughs) would you rather have have victor oladipo in two years or 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 robert covington now though Hmm. like no but like okay i I do get what you're saying yeah yeah Okay. Just, like, now okay, I want a better player, but it's just like at that point, it's it's. But he might not like, be a better player like, until Steph's thirty-five. Right. Okay. Now I want to ask this because this this I am. So let's say that trade is on the table. I'm not asking if they would do it or not. I'm curious your perspective as someone who. What is people's views on the the Warriors front office and how capable they are of scouting and finding talent? whether it be in the draft or anywhere else. We make fun of Smiley Geach a lot. <laughs> but I think there are some hesitations, but everybody we ask say we're go- we've gone a little too far when we make fun I, of to, to piggyback this 
undoubtedly, um, you know, Bob Myers, Joe Lacob have been here the entire run, but a lot of the ancillary key players in the front office, Travis Schlank, Jerry West uh, are not there anymore. And, um, you know, you don't really need Jerry West recruiting for you once you've already got Kevin Durant, Iguodala, all these players. But like now they're in a situation where like, you know, I, I'm sure 25 teams in the league would trade their situation to have Steph Clay and Draymond under contract. But like they are in kind of a situation where they have to build a roster out around them. So let, let's start with the smiley each thing first. Um, <laughs> no, seriously. Um, like, I, without having any inside information, what really looks like happened there is like, and this is something that the teams do a lot at different sort of stages. You, you find a guy, that's our guy. We got to, we, that's it, a point of pride. You see this all the time where a team like drafts a guy in the second round who turns out to be, you know, pretty good. And then all of a sudden that guy's untouchable in trade discussions right. because, because he's sort of an avatar of like, their intelligence our awesome, our awesome process that led us to this guy and By years even yeah yeah <laughs> and so no and, and i i don't think that's that's something that is is limited in any way to to, right. to the warriors front office so i think there's a little bit of that that's happening there um as far as there um i will say that this is kind of more in my area that that uh i think there was some recognition fairly early in the organization that this was going to be something of a gap year so they they did they 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 invested more in kind of long term process based thinking in sort of uh in in the player identification area which is you know it's, it's scouting but it's also they've they've kind of significantly beefed up their their analytics effort and that's the kind of thing that that helps you one of the places it can most help you is finding those extra guys on the margin, whether it's an undrafted free agent, a second rounder who has a better than average chance of becoming something interesting. Right. So, finding the next uh, Covington. Was, yeah. Finding the next. Exactly. Um, and uh, so that's the kind of thing that helps. Um, and it was also, you know, in terms of like player identification and development, when you're going to the finals every year, that, that kind of, you can't, everything can't be your, your number one focus. And so that, that almost naturally is something that takes a backseat. Like no one, no one was like, well, we're in the finals, so we don't have to do that. No one really thinks that way. It's just an, it's a natural, you know, division of attention from, you know, the, the people who are driving decisions and resources. And I think that, you know, having a year off helped them reset a little bit in that area. Yeah, definitely. Um, so with all that said, you're looking, you, you think, you know, if you were, if you were Bob Myers, Joe Lacob and God, um, your preference would be to <laughs> trade out of this oh. draft in general, if you could get that player, let's assume you can't, where well, are you at with their options? Sure. At number two. So first of all, I just, just in terms of trading out, I kind of feel like a team that thinks they're contending should never pick in the first round. Okay. They should, they should have all, they should trade have already either traded the pick the previous year to add something or you either um, go in or you don't. Yeah, yeah exactly. Except, don't worry. They didn't draft any first round talents in the first round. So it's okay. I, I was, I was, I was not a, you know, it's <laughs> from here, but I was not a Jordan Poole guy. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. That's um, been that. That's been that the hurts. other fun propaganda piece where it's uh, he's been working really hard. Anytime that's the, uh, that is. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't instill confidence, but anyway, that's a different podcast. Yeah. So. 
Um, you know, you, you, you can talk yourself in or out of kind of the top guys like LaMelo has the highest upside. How does LaMelo work at all with anyone else in the team? Like Edwards, you can sort of talk yourself into as that, that kind of mid-sized up like bigger wing, that bigger athletic wing, but then like, he's not going to be ready to contribute. Yeah, he'd be uh, more than likely. He, if you get something out of him in year two, that's like playoff level, you've done well. Um, and then, you know, like the, the size and talent of Wiseman like fills an obvious hole. Um, there's no, I, I'm not a big draft for a fit guy anyway, but there's just, it's, it's none of the three are, are kind of warp free in terms of, of right. how you really feel about them. The Knicks are the most likely. What do you think about J- Mitchell Robinson? You would trade for that. You you wouldn't even care because it's like I get a player at back at least, and I get a. No, I, get... I think like I I really like Mitchell Robinson. I I'm not sure he's he, I'm not sure he's that, that's almost using, you know that that's almost drafting you know second need. Wiseman <laughs> like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's it, he he's he is that's maybe good. That's further good. along, but he's not that's he's really not good. quite there yet. So. Um, someone who is maybe a little bit more developed. We're talking guys who are more like 25, 28. Yeah, like I don't know. If you're looking at a big guy who like a you know, a maybe Miles Turner. Maybe that's a maybe that's a name. Yeah. Um that's certainly one we're interested in. Yeah. Miles, we've had Miles Turner month, we've had Miles Turner months plural, you know, that's certainly a uh, certainly something, but we, I, I think, I think Warriors fans wanted to happen. I don't know. The money stuff is a, is a different story that we've gone ad nauseum over. Now, I think what the people do want to hear, Seth, when do you think Giannis announces the trade request? Like, will it be <laughs> like this off season or does he wait till the trade down? Like trade deadline, you know, is tough because he's an MVP, right? He's great. So I, I, <laughs> You know, it took a while before I was willing to, you know, even discuss the Bucks at all, just kind of as a matter of right. uh, of of ethics, almost. Uh, one thing I'm just, I like, I don't even want to speculate on like what what he's going to do because I don't, I don't have any information, and I don't really think it's 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 sort of my place to sure. discuss that at all. So I did, like nobody aggregates us. Don't worry. Yeah, well, no, it's not that. It's just I don't like the, like what the hell do I know? <laughs> what the hell do we know? Yeah. Uh, fair enough. No, but it, but it would be it would be well. Former Bucks exec says and it's just like I, I don't, I don't <laughs> know. Like I I can't make like whatever he decides to do. It's cool because you know I, I I'm you know it will be cool. It will be cool. Yeah. Um. My my. Oh no! I wouldn't even say that. Nah, we'll, we're, we're, we'll, we'll blow by it. I, I do, yeah. you know. I guess the only other thing I have on Giannis is like, is he that genuinely of a good dude? You know, the stuff you see with Steph Curry, it's always like, you know, he's a super nice guy. He never really has any, uh, uh never really has any, uh, like nobody really has anything ever see, bad to say about him. And I think with Giannis, he gives off kind of the same vibe. Now KD, you know, too, right when he was OKC, so that's always I think pretty cool uh, as a player just with Giannis you just you just never hear a bad thing about the guy he just seems like a genuinely great person so this is this is what I'll say to that is I think I was very lucky for my first job with a team to be with a team where the players were almost universally like good dudes and he certainly fits in with that 
I mean, there's just a lot of like, re like really like, you know, genuinely like thoughtful, good teammate kind of, kind of individuals on the squad. Yeah. He like certainly is certainly fits like right in among that. So yeah, he's a, like his, he's very, you know, he's very devoted to his family. Um, that's, that's the, that's the, single biggest personality trait that I would discuss about him is shout out like to loyal- California. Yeah. It's his, is his, uh, his loyalty to, to his family and the people who've like been with him since the beginning. No, nice. no loyalty to the franchise though is, is what we're betting on here. Seth. So <laughs> thanks. Right, we're yeah, we're going to pivot off this. And I'll make you uncomfortable. <laughs> Sam always um, has to cut me off. <laughs> um, okay. Here's, we have some listener questions here. I want to get to these. Um, Let's go here from Danny Burt 33. Um, is a good one. He's asking about how good of a defender do you think Eric Pascal can become? Actually, let, let's start here. Okay, so the Warriors last year was a miserable year, you know, with injuries and everything. One of the lone bright spots was Eric Pascal. What do you think about him as a player going forward? Because, you know, obviously uh, Warriors are plugging him up as, you know, a future building block piece. And, you know, that's what franchises do anytime they get something good. So my quite like sort of, what is he? Right. No, I, like just from a, from a game standpoint, like where on a, like, where does he fit in on a good team? Like he's, he seems to me that like, he's a really kind of ideal like his game is very like I'm the second best player on a mediocre team. <laughs> God, that's good. That's really good. And I and I like where does that fit in? You know, because he's not a great shooter. He's not a super athlete. He's not, you know, a lockdown defender. Yeah, he's he, he's strong, but he's he but the, his strength is also a kind of thing that maybe his his lateral movement isn't great, and he's not yep. he's not yep. the most agile. So it's like there's like pieces of of different good players in there but maybe not like for a player who is going to be like if he's if he's your eighth man or something your seventh or eighth man as a as like a high level sound like player. andy no <laughs> i'm not no, high on pascal i'm not high on pascal no, so i'm agree with what he's saying yeah no i mean can, yeah. he, can he be a rotation player on a like is he is he worse than tory craig like no, he's like, but that's that's kind well, of. I was gonna I say, think, whoa, Jesus, yeah, he's got to like, be better than that. No, but that, I mean, that's but that's kind of the the area you're you know you're aiming for, like you know that sort of you know, like the the spectrum from Tory Craig to Royce O'Neal or something like that. And Royce O'Neal is a pretty good player, but he's a right, right. That's kind of where I'm at too with him. Like I I think his best role is kind of energy scoring off the bench, probably on like a actual winning team. Um, so yeah, now we got the core four and we got an eighth man. Just got to figure out five, six, and seven. Right. <laughs> and it's it's nice to have that and have that on a rookie contract, but it's not like right. That's that's not something that you 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 know that's you you finish your team with that. You don't start it. Yeah, he's he's also forty first overall pick, so it's kind of like yeah, you know, no, getting absolutely. anything getting anything well, out of that. Right, positive. exactly. But this is exactly what I was talking about earlier, where you got a forty first pick. He's yeah, we yeah. look what we did, <laughs> uh, and and you know, and it's it's good, but it's it's like it's it's you know the perspective of we outperformed that slot, and he's still just a, he's an eighth man because that's what outperforming that slot looks like. 
But right. it's like, well, you also drafted Jordan Poole and Smiley Gage in the same goddamn draft. So I don't know why you're, you know, not you, but I'm saying like, why would you be fist pumping? You know, it's like, geez, like you better if it, like, I think that's kind of the, the stuff that we hear is like, Eric Pascal's guys like, well, you, I hope you hit on one. Like you, you drafted three guys, like, geez, but I have, cool. yeah, I was going to say next question. For some reason, two people asked us about Jonas Valanciunas. <laughs> For the traded player exception. I did not know we've reached the multiple Jonas Valanciunas requests part of the off season. So I don't even know where to go with that, but I guess Seth, what are your thoughts on his fit with the Warriors? (laughs) I like Jonas Valanciunas. Um, He's an odd fit. He would not close games for them, but like, again, if we're, you know, the, the, the money would be, that's someone I'd not even considered for them, obviously. Like right. The money would be weird, but like that aside, like that's sort of as a player, that's kind of what you're talking about in that, that, you know, 25 minute a game starting center, who's going to rebound and, and finish off duck ins and, and, you know, grab some offensive rebounds and, and allow Draymond to not have to play center a bunch in the regular season. Um, and he's, you know, he's almost a, like a, like a, a deluxe version of that. Yeah. Yeah. He is uh they always need that Zaza or in this case, a much better version of Zaza. Uh, Zaza I, I, can catch the ball. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he can, he only shoots threes now, you know, he shoots threes. Um, I got a question, a personal question, because I'm very curious about this from a, you work, you work with analytics, you work with numbers, you know, like two plus two, three plus three, you know, three is greater than two. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious how much. I'm sure there are certain uh, organizations with players that are willing to listen more to that, whether that be organizations with younger players or not, versus kind of like star players. I don't know. Are organizations more successful offensively, defensively, when they have players that do listen to more that, or actually, and even coaches? Um, I don't think it's a one-to-one relationship. I think that you can get to a lot of the same places, um, kind of true, more quote unquote, traditional basketball knowledge than that kind of the, the metrics and and statistical based reasoning gets you, Mm. um, you know, for a long time, like, you know, Greg Popovich played a very analytics friendly style while not him not being a great, you know, subscriber to the methodology himself. Right. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of coaches who kind of like, like Mike D'Antoni was not like crunching spreadsheets when he came up with seven seconds or less, but they, they hit on some, some, some things that work that whether it's something that was discovered through kind of quote unquote analytics or confirmed by that, it was still like it was something that was effective um, for, you know, for both basketball and mathematical reasons, I'd say. So um, in terms of direct, like player does analytics, that's like, you know, it, it, it's one step removed from that because really you're, you want players to, players can't be thinking. Um, and so you, there's a combination of building habits that are, mm. uh, analytically driven but also putting them in positions where their kind of their their uh already developed skill and feel for the game will lead them to do things that are uh that that are kind of 
plus EV from a from a from a statistical standpoint. So it's it, it, it's a little bit. It, it, baseball is a sport where it is much easier right. to kind of directly get with the player because it's, baseball's always been about like the numbers and the adjustments and you get in and you tinker with your swing to do this and that. Sometimes and now you take a guy out too early, you know, sometimes you, sometimes <laughs> you take a guy out in game six. No, nah, but <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. I was going to actually, it's, it's hilarious. Andy asked that cause I was about to pull up some questions from our discord chat uh, which is premium members only. There's actually three questions here, which kind of dance around what you guys are just talking about. So I just want to bring it up. Sure. Uh, They're from, so excited for Seth, by the way, these guys, yeah, yeah. Oh, these guys have been, oh, so, so it, we'd be doing a disservice and naturally they had to listen through an hour of podcasts to get to their questions. So we apologize for that guys. But <laughs> uh, okay. Curious what he thinks are still a blind spot with analytics in the second question here, someone's bringing up the fact that like how block and steal rate is a reliable measure for drafting and finally brings it to this point where, let's see, um, the difference between like Clay's defensive rating by stats and actually watching his defense versus how he's rated by other players. Curious examples of what Seth sees as kind of the best trends for scouting and stuff that might still be undervalued in terms of scouting with analytics. That's, that's a lot of really good questions. Let me take the easy one first. That's the steal yeah. and block rate. Um, yeah. That, that's something that has tended to be a good indicator. Um, why is sort of an open question. I've always thought it was a, uh, it helped identify players with functional athleticism and that's a combination of kind of the run jump athleticism, but also the sort of uh, uh, game reading feel athleticism that just allow, you know, if you're, it's, if, if a player is able to get blocks and steals, especially a perimeter player, that means that they're, they are seeing things develop early enough to, and then they can, they have the physical wherewithal right. to make a play on the ball. Um, and that, and they, and you know, those are the kind of things that, that tend to actually translate almost as much to offense, if not more than to defense because again it's showing a little bit of that you know that translation of 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 identification of a situation on the floor translated into action you can actually perform um people call it i don't like basketball iq as a term i've i've really kind of settled on using feel so that's that's sort of a what it's what it's picking up on it's it's like can you play basketball is really what we're talking about. Can you I play think. at the speed you need to play at? Yeah, yeah. It's can you can you make those decisions in the moment, and then are you like decisions that you're physically capable of following through on? Um, and and I think that leads to what is the, you know, the the trend that we're looking for. I think we're trying to like that's the thing that, you know, I think the smart the 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 smart draft people on Twitter, the better scouts, that's what they're looking at. They're not looking at tools so much they're looking at you know decision making like and i'm not talking about decision making like what passes you're making right like when to, when to stunt and recover on a closeout like when to you know how to hold an extra dribble to to make the man come off the corner to make the pass all those little those little things that like you know the best example in the nba is you know chris paul little things he does to manipulate the game to and obviously you're not finding that in a college player Right. But guys who are along that spectrum, can they, can he play? Can he make decisions? Can he fit in with other players? And or does he have to does it have to be paint by numbers? 
And that's the thing that like, you could have a functional, decent player who paints by numbers, but for a really high end player, you need that, that sort of inspiration to, of, of recognizing, okay, here's, here's what the system calls for me to do, but I'm going to deviate from it because X, Y, and Z. And even if, even if he can't kind of verbalize that thought process, him being able to in real time process that and, and, and do that on the court, that's what you're looking for. Uh, and that's, that's, you know, that's somewhere between a quantitative and a qualitative judgment, but that's really where it's at. I guess if nice. you're looking at it from this draft perspective, you almost are like, well, maybe LaMelo, if you're talking about top tier players has that. And then beyond that, you're really looking at like, yeah, Halliburton has great feel for the game, but yeah. is he going to be more than, than, or than a can, media, right? Or we can go yeah. with uh, the yes. only player the Warriors haven't leaked that they like, uh, Isaac Okoro, who probably is defined most by his feel and defense than anything like, I mean, he's not wowing you with the 29% three-point shooting. Yeah, he's just <laughs> nice. Perfect fit for a Warriors role player. I, mean, I think a, a guy who uh, Kira Lewis is a guy who some people I respect seem to like. I like I again I can't I can't claim to have dug deep sure. on these guys, but that's yep. just um, the people who I respect have kind of dug deep on him and showed some things that I I found intriguing. It's, it's obviously he's not you know you're not taking the second pick. But sure. Yeah. Um, but I think that's that sort of interaction between you know what what are some statistical indicators of that feel versus what are you looking at on the court? So you're not just, you're not seeing a guy who's just like compiling stats at a college level, but the stats that he's compiling are evidence of that kind of, right. You know, the, 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 the figured out factor, like why, like I was all in on Grant Williams being, you know, despite being kind of short and, and round, mm-hmm. <laughs> like him being a good player is because like he, he, you know, he had that figured out factor that was both evident in his well, statistical production and just watching him play. You probably figure that out because I think he's compared most to, to or not most, but he's compared sometimes to Draymond Green. And I think if you're talking about the great warriors teams of uh, the KD Steph, those guys, like I think the top two field guys on that team was probably Draymond and Nigadala. Like probably the, the two guys that were not the best, right? Like players on the team would probably be Steph Clay and, and KD, but, well, maybe they're more known for being few, but to me, they always felt like those two guys that were at the top on that team. I mean, I think that I think that's I think I think that's selling Clay short a little bit from a from a field perspective, to be honest. Wow. I think yeah. Ooh, I mean, no, his wow. his his ability to move like off the ball on both right. sides of the floor is you know that's he's you know you asked about his defense and something that I've always been really impressed by him is he's one of the better players in the league at defending like like scores off the ball. Um in terms of, uh, it, it wasn't maybe as much two years ago because you know you've been to the finals four straight years, so who cares? On sure. a, you know, on a Tuesday night in December, like who gives a crap. Uh, and that was kind of evident in, in some of his and other players' numbers. But kind of, uh, you watch guys navigate screens, and and this this was something that that happened in the finals a lot. Like when Duncan Robinson was able to get open, it's because he was able to subtly like push his defender in, into a, a, situ, a space where they couldn't get around a screen. They had to run through a screen. And on the flip side, defensively, Clay is very good at kind of hitting first so that he gives himself a path to get through those. And that's always something I've been very 
I mean, he should. He he's a master of doing all that stuff on offense. He should know yeah. all the tricks of the trade on the other end. But but <laughs> like that's a lot of times the guys who are good at it on offense are are less right. inclined to put <laughs> to do it on like you know Reggie Miller can do all yeah. of it on defense and not so much on I mean on offense and not so much on defense. That is let's awesome. let's let's end on this question then. Okay, um, we talked about Steph and Clay in your tears. Or, or sorry, we talked about Steph and Draymond in your tears yeah. series. Let's talk about Clay real quick. Yeah, um, he's coming off of an ACL tear, although it might have been twenty years ago at this point. I mean, I, I'm losing track of time. Yeah. Um, wh- what is a realistic expectation for him next year, and wh- where do you think he'll be? I mean, that, that's a it's a weird question. Clay has always been one of the hardest guys to rate. He's actually he's from a metric standpoint, he's always been sort of mediocre. Right. Um, yep. And I think that that, but that's you know, it turns you, it, warrior fans into like becoming anti-stats. No, yeah, but yeah, no, but it, but it's also, I mean, you, but it goes deep in that because it's it's sort of it's explainable in that you know a lot of those stats are contextual, and it's just like, well, it, that that in some ways is showing he's just not as good as Steph, which, oh no, like so he, he, that makes him look worse than than he is and there's also because there's so much talent and has always been so much talent on his teams that he has had more kind of latent ability to expand his game than most players in his role right. and i think and i think that that's something that like we it's hard to really um quantify this but you know you see it in in um you know, those very occasionally just the incandescent performance where he's, you know, right. he's got 47 and on, and, on six and, dribbles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And six dribbles and he's touched, he's had the ball for 15 seconds um, and they've needed every point. And without that, they get knocked out of the playoffs. Right. <laughs> you know, no. So, so that's, it, it's tough to balance. And he's, you know, from a defensive standpoint, some metrics don't love him because he doesn't get steals and blocks and rebounds. Um, but at the same time, like the he is kind of the 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 anecdote or the the opposite yeah. to kind of block and steal rates a great yeah. way to kind of but but if you but if you look at metrics that don't include those, he generally shows up as pre- not a pretty good, not like elite all defensive level, but pretty good, mm-hmm. and especially for a guy who is who is has a you know a sizable offensive role, right? It's pretty good. So I think that in, on balance, I've always liked him more than the raw numbers would show. Now, counterpoint, age plus ACL, what what does that look like? And you have kind of a mini version of the of the the KD shrug about <laughs> about what he looks like in this coming season. Yeah, that's uh, at least it's not the Achilles, which. I guess yeah. it's a little bit worse. That is the problem with analytics. Not actually, that's not a problem with analytics. That's the problem with people trying to understand analytics is that, is that you see a number, then you don't really understand or try to understand where the number is coming from. Then, then you just kind of base your opinion of whether it's good or not off of that. It's my, it's my favorite warriors Twitter thing where everyone posts all the numbers that show Steph as being one of the two best players the last decade. But then in the following post, we'll tell you that, um, you know, you can't look at the stats when you're discussing clay. Yeah, <laughs> right. So. No, there's the, like, that, if there's one thing that I, that I hope is came from the tears project to begin with is that like player value production, whatever is heavily dependent on circumstances. 
And that's no different for a lot of these, these stats. These stats aren't a measure of player goodness. They're a measure of, they're an attempt to measure effectiveness in role. Right. So they don't necessarily tell you anything about what the player would do in a different role. Uh, so, and the, so, and Clay, you have strong evidence that if you gave him a bigger role, he would do just fine. But because you have, you know, Steph Curry and, and Draymond like gets to handle the ball and stuff like that, he, he's, you know, the third or fourth option on offense a lot of time. God, we will never get to Draymond. I don't know if we should we get Draymond. Should we do two minutes on Draymond, Sam? We'll do, well, right, we'll do two minutes on Draymond. We're not we're not <laughs> optimistic on Draymond Green, Seth. We're gonna give you six, sixty seconds. Just everything to avoid going to CNN. Oh yeah, one hundred and twenty seconds. Um, well, everything long I you just, want. Everything I just okay. So Draymond's metrics were terrible last year. Like, there's <laughs> no way around that. Um, who cares? Like, he he's a guy who is. Uh, uh, an ultimate like ceiling raiser around other good players. And he's playing with Jordan Poole and Alan Smiley each. So who cares? He's, he's just played in five straight finals. Don't forget Marquise, Chris. (laughs) Yeah. But so, you know, the fact that he, if he had just not played last year, you know, everyone would, would think more. He broke his hand too. Yeah. Yeah. If he, if he just, he he just sat out and, and, like he he took a gap here. He just was on the court for some of it. The clutch gets to the people. But Seth, we have uh, we have taken up too much of your time. Uh, we appreciate you coming on, man. That was great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it, Seth. It's been great. <laughs>